Well, I'm going to start today in a brand new series. Start, I'm going to move away from what we were speaking on in the month of August, and um, Dawn said, and I said it a lot, so I guess I'm done. <laughs> about the little and the small, and that God uses that in us. God uses our weaknesses. But I just want to encourage us today. I really um, started seeking him for what he wants to talk about in this next week or weeks, and I believe it's going to be some weeks now um, that he's got something growing here. Just sought him, and I just um, through my studies and through some prayer time, I believe the Lord is just revealing that we can get so burdened, we can get so weighted down with cares of this world, with things, with distractions, our emotions, our flesh, and, and it's so easy. It's not hard. It comes so fast. You are shocked when, it's, when it appears in you, it is so fast how our faith can get dim, how we can lose just a little bit of our love with Christ. We lose a little bit of our tenacity and our fire. So I just want to encourage you this month as we move now into September, um, I want the Lord to speak to you, to rebuild, to rekindle a fire in you. And uh, I'm just going to find, because this is not, I'm not following my notes here, so let me just find this page. I just want to start with this verse. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke on the 5,000 and how Jesus, through the disciples, right, through their littleness and their weakness, that he fed the 5,000. Well, just a couple chapters later in the book of Mark, chapter 8, the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 14. Just a couple chapters later, it wasn't much long, wasn't much time had passed that the disciples were uh, with Jesus and they're crossing a lake. And it says in verse 14 that the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. Now remember, they just fed. In fact, I already taught on it that Jesus didn't feed the 5,000. The disciples did, that Jesus put something in their hands so that they could actually do it. They had weakness, they had little, but Jesus took the little that they had and they did something so they got to see it come through them. And those same disciples are just a couple chapters later over here in Mark chapter 8, verse 14, and they said, they realized we didn't bring bread. In verse 15, as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod, in verse 16. And at this, he began, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. But Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand 
even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? And in verse 19, when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. Jesus just a couple chapters after they fed 5,000 men. And like I said, you know, we've, we could try to figure it out. We don't know. But if each man had a woman or half of them had a woman and children, it was a lot of people, 20,000 people, who knows? And they fed them with just a few loaves and fish, right? And just a few chapters later, because they don't have bread themselves, they started arguing, we forgot bread. And Jesus checks them. He says, watch out. You need to beware. There's a danger in that place. And he says specifically, he said, are your hearts, in verse 17, too hard? Or are your hearts hardened? And I believe it happens that quick. The Lord does something for us. He does something through us. He did it through them, and then he did something for them. Why did Jesus ask them, how many baskets did you take up? Why did he ask them that? Because there are 12 disciples, and there was 12 baskets of leftover taken up. What is Jesus saying? Jesus said, you serve me, you lean on me, you trust me, I'll take your little, I'll take your weakness, I'm going to do something through it, but I will take care of you. I will provide for you. And now, in a moment of weakness, just a short time later, when it feels like, sometimes it feels like you had something like that God gave you anyway, God gave it to you, it was supernatural, and now you feel like we don't have it anymore. It came and went that quickly. You ever feel like a schizophrenic following Jesus? Or is that just me? I feel like he says this, and then he's saying this. I think this, and then I think that. He, nothing's, he's not changing. God's not changing. God has a direction he's moving in. But our minds are constantly influenced. That's why he says you got to beware of the yeast. He's not talking about actual yeast and bread of the Pharisees, right? And what was their yeast? What was the Pharisees' issue? They couldn't see past the letter. They couldn't see past the natural. Jesus was right in front of them in the flesh, physically. He was doing miracles. And instead of being excited that Jesus did a miracle in their temple, they got more upset that he did it on the Sabbath when their law said you will do no work on the Sabbath. So they got more concerned with the natural and the, and the law than the actual miracle that somebody was just freed and healed. And he tells them, beware of that. Beware of the Pharisees. Your nature, your humanity will try to control you. 
and it will come so fast. These are the disciples, and Jesus had just done an incredible miracle through their lives, and almost immediately, it's not long. He was only with the disciples for three years, if you think about the scale of time. And so we're just a couple chapters over. We don't know if this was a week, if this was a few weeks, if it was a few months, but it wasn't long. It was too quick, regardless, to have a hard heart that quickly. And he warns them to um, not have that thing take root in you. It will come and it will try to take root in you. It'll try to get you to get hard, and we do. So I just want to spark from there. Sorry, because I, um, I just wanted to start with that, and it's not, that was not where I wanted to start, but I wanted to go there and um, believe because the Lord's saying something here today. <laughs> He's got his own agenda. I do all my preparing, do my notes, and then the Lord's going to say what he wants to say. The hardness, it comes. Can I just speak to you guys from my heart? hardness comes and the the it, it's it's like i can't even put my finger on it sometimes i just all of a sudden do you ever feel you just feel far from him i say to the lord all the time i feel far from you i feel like we have some distance that needs to be closed and and it and you're doing things like i don't feel like, like i'm not during the week i'm not filling my time as an assassin um you know i'm not uh, in, in the strip club. I'm not doing worldly things. You're doing things that need to get done in life. But all of a sudden, you're like, God, somehow we got lost in translation. Somehow. And in the hardness, what it does is it will, it will keep you from believing God. It will keep you from trusting Him. And meanwhile, he's right there. I think Jesus was saying something even greater. And that's why he brought up the Pharisees is that I'm still here with you in the boat. It's not about the bread. Remember, because Jesus said uh, there was another time, remember, where he's sitting by the well. And we talked about, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. He's sitting by the well with the woman, right? And he's sharing with her. And they had gone to eat and he hadn't eaten. And they came back and they said, you must be starving. And he says, no, I'm getting bread from somewhere else. The work that I'm doing is feeding me. What Jesus is really saying is, don't you realize that I was with you then and I'm still with you now? But we very quickly, we start looking at the natural. We just start looking at how are we going to make it? This thing popped up in my life again. This person came back in my life and I don't know how to handle, you know, this situation because now they're, they're influencing me in a bad way. It's like drawing me into some past life and past sin and, and all these different types of things can quickly come and we start looking at how are we going to get bread? How are we going to do it? What we forgot, and it gets back on them, and what he had just taught them was that it's not you, because you're little, you're weak, it's not you anyway. We spent a whole month, apparently in Dawn's eyes, too long. Sorry, baby. <laughs> she didn't say that. She didn't say that. I'm just giving her a tough time because she, hey, you say that to me, I'm going to I'm gonna have to make some fun of that. And the hardness, it just comes. And I say that to the Lord all the time. Like, why am I far from you? Spending, I still, you know, and, 
and especially for me, especially because of who I am now and what I'm doing, um, I'm still almost every day, even during the day, I'm just lifting up things to him. I'm thinking about the word. You can even be doing those things. These guys were sitting with Jesus. They were spending time with him and a hardness can still come even when you're with him. How is that possible? How is it possible to have a hardness in your heart and you're with Jesus? It wasn't like they were separated, like he came back and it had been a few weeks and they were just, you know, on the shore playing around. He, no, he's in the boat with them. They're with him. How does this happen? And I believe it happens so fast because of the world we live in, because we are natural human. This is our, as soon as sin occurred and Adam and Eve came out of the garden, as soon as that happened, it says, the Bible says that their eyes were opened. Do you realize that they were made in the perfection of the image of God in the garden? When God made Adam and Eve, he made them in perfection. So whatever eye was opened is not a good eye you want opened. You ever think about that? What eye was opened? And it was that was the they said that they were ashamed. They realized that they were naked. They had, there was no sin, there was no perversion in their nakedness before. There was no weirdness. Like, you know, we, obviously, the world jokes that, oh man, if Adam hadn't sinned, we'd all be naked today. It's not like that because you wouldn't have those desires. There was an eye that opened. Uh, that wasn't supposed to open, and it was an eye the devil wanted open. It was an eye that looks at you and I. They realized in themselves something is not right. They realized in each other where they started to look at their flesh, and before they were looking at God. Before, all they knew was what he said and what he gave. And so Jesus is trying to get us, if we are willing, back to that place with him. Innocence, just like Elise dancing here. An innocence that it, there's one day that that curtain of innocence tears. Even for beautiful Elise, that is inevitable. She will choose to continue to follow Christ. I'm confident of that. But there will be a veil that tears and the innocence starts going because of the pressures the weights of this world, that's just the life we live in. With Jesus Christ, we can stay like children, thank you, Lord, right? Instead of getting that veil torn as the world, it, what happens, right? That veil is torn of innocence, and then whoosh, they're gone, and we become weird, crazy freaks, right? And then thank God that he draws us back, brings us back to our innocence. And so just, um, am I making any sense so far? I'm just trying to speak from my heart here today. I got a lot, a lot, more than ever here. So there's no lack of notes. I just want to just trust the Lord, that he wants, what he wants to say. But um, so from this, this thought that the hardness comes and our, and our heart can get so hard and so quick, I was also thinking about um, last week we spoke on the talents the, the parable of the, the one guy gets 10, the other guy gets five, the last guy gets one. And they each have something. The point of last week's sermon was that each of you has something to, that God has given to you. 
he, just as the disciples, he gave it to you. It's not yours anyway, but they are in your hands to use. And we read that the guy with the 10, he took it, he turned it into 10 more. He was faithful with what God gave him. The guy with five, he was faithful. But the guy with the one, he took his talent because he was ashamed, because he was afraid, because he didn't think he had much, and he hid it. And the Lord comes to him, you wicked and you lazy servant, and sends him to hell. Now, that's a very harsh, it's one of those parables that you don't like to read too often, but it is a reality of our faith that God has given us things. He has given us abilities. He has given us, um, uh, not the, it's not the natural, like you're so great at playing basketball, you need to use it for God. You can do that, but it's even more than that. It is so much more. It's the, it's the spiritual gifts inside you that when you're off the court and you're in the back room now with your teammates and they hear that you're a believer and it's the words of encouragement that come out of your mouth, that's really the, it's the spiritual talents and abilities. It's not how great I can be in this world because all these things are going to pass away. There's something spiritual that happens. And so from that thought, I thought, man, I wonder if God looks at entire groups of people, just like he looks at the individual. I wonder if he looks at eras in time, like he does in this parable. And I thought, man, you know, we didn't have the Bible for the first 300 years of history, they didn't have it. They just had books that were passed around. They had the letters of Paul and of James and of Peter, and of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Torah and the prophets. And these were just scrolls and letters all passed around. And that's what, And you may have had one. You may have had the Torah and you had the book from uh, Paul to you being the Ephesians and you didn't have the other ones. But one day, it all came together into one book. And one day, it was translated into English. And now here we are today, preaching from this book that God has given to us. And I thought, you know, it's like being at the dentist. A hundred years ago, you just had that tooth pulled with that cavity, you know, the thing just rotted away and that was it. But today, if I go to the dentist and they say, do you want me to numb you with some Novocaine? I don't say, you know what? My ancestors didn't need it. Neither do I. No, that would be pretty foolish. We immediately say, yes, please. Who has asked for a second shot? Who's asked for a little more? <laughs> and I thought, man, we have so much in God today. We have no, this time, this era, especially in the U.S. or the Western world, for that matter, there's lots of Western nations, Australia and Canada, that, I mean, we're all on the web together, and we all have the, the same libraries, and we have an unlimited amount of resources if I have a question today, the easiest thing to do for me as a pastor is just Google it. Now, that's not me like going to Google instead of the Holy Spirit, but I'm already thinking of the verse. So instead of taking the time to go to my concordance, because what you would do 50 years ago, you would have it in a book. So you would go to it. Okay, the Lord said to me uh, something about the heart. So let me go and find out what the verses are on the heart. And that's how I would do it. But today I can just Google uh, heart Bible and bam, whoosh, I mean, there is no question. You have unlimited 
answers today. If you are not sure on what God says in his word, you can find it in about 0.03 seconds today. God, I don't know if this is right or wrong in my life. Bam, Google's got it for you, right from BibleGateway.com. And I thought, man, if we were judged as he judged the guys with the talents, with the abilities, with the resources, then this time in this era is without excuse. We have so much. And I thought just the one resource of the Bible itself, forget all the other guys who have studied it and have broken it down into volumes. They'll take the Bible and they'll turn it into 10 times the size by breaking it down and just understanding it. And you have these volumes of libraries throughout history of men and women who have studied the word and will give you insight into what God was saying. But push all that away. Push aside Google. Push aside all these libraries. And I have apps on my phone that has more information biblically today than the guys who did my job 60 years ago, let's just say even just the 40s, the 50s, no internet, they'll even, you know, you go into the library to check out a book, that's weird. Those guys had to really, it took a lot more time, but I have all of that, all of it, and unlimited, and I could, I, I can't even touch the space on my little phone. I could fill it up with every resource in the world and still have room today. And so we have so much, but if we just, just the Bible alone, I wondered this question. I asked this question in my spirit. I said, is it possible for a Christian to live without the Bible? I wanted to ask this question. I asked, I play, I don't like this phrase, but you understand what I'm saying, the devil's advocate. I play it with myself a lot. I'll ask a question and then I'll answer it from the spirit of the Lord, from the Bible. But I'll pre- play both sides out in my mind, you know, both arguments. And I want to know, I want to come down to what is the answer. And I realize this, listen, Jesus is not a book. He is the word made flesh. The Holy Spirit is not a book. God is not a book. He's not pages and paper and ink or, or a screen right here. I got scriptures right here. This is not God. He is God. And he will move you. If, if you are about to go over a cliff and you, are, and you know the Lord, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you without a scripture. Stop right now. I've heard so many. How many have heard the testimonies of red lights? They're about to go through the red light, right? The Holy Spirit checks them. They're, I'm sorry. They're about to go through a green light, but someone else is going to come through a red light. And they, they listen. They take one more second and whoosh, someone flies through that red light and would have killed you. I've had it happen personally. I've heard it happen. So the Holy Spirit doesn't need it. But I thought it is so dangerous and it is so much harder without the Bible. And there's a couple of reasons I could just get into just a few. And I'm going to talk about this for this next month to encourage us that the the danger is this. How do you know? that what you're doing in your life is right or wrong. How do you know just based on how you feel? Because if you base it on your feelings, 
if you base it on voices, if you base it on gut instincts, then you're going to be just like the guy sitting at a craps table who says, I think it's a seven or whatever. I don't even know. I think it should be this that's going to roll. And you trust that gut in you. Your voice and your mind and your heart are going to tell you all kinds of stuff. And you can't listen to that. We're going to get, we'll get into some scriptures this month on, on that as well. And the world has now established more religions than ever before based upon them getting some sort of inspiration, vision, word, and all kinds of stuff, dreams, and they, and the, and every one of these cases, Christian science, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, and these faiths, what's happened is in each story, it's the same answer. I decided to veer from the Bible because I or something told me that there were flaws in it. And as soon as you veer from the Bible, veer from the truth of the word, you are instantly on a dangerous path. Now, can you, if you have the pure, if you have a pure heart and you want God and you are in a prison, we were talking about this, Jeannie and I, in China, where they like literally, I've heard this, actually it's in the book, The Heavenly Man, they just pass around one page of the Bible. That's all they've got. Can God sustain you? Can you stay straight? Yes, you can. It's possible for the, by the grace of God. But for you just to say, well, I know Jesus, so I don't need the Bible. All I need to do is just know him. What Jesus do you know? Do you know the one that we know? Or do you know the Jesus that the Mormons know? Or do you know the Jesus that the Muslims know? Believe it or not, Jesus is in the Quran. Do you know that Jesus? Or do you know our Jesus? What Jesus is it? How do you know? And the Lord really just, I just had to find this place. And there's, there's so much more to the word than just make sure you're on the right track. And again, that's what I really want to get into this month. But just the basic, bare minimum of the word is that it will keep you straight. You don't know. You cannot trust your own instinct. You can't trust your own feelings. You shouldn't even trust what I say. You can trust what I'm saying from the word of God, but you should go and read it for yourself and make sure that I didn't twist it. Make sure that I didn't turn it for my advantage. A lot of pastors will twist the scriptures so that you'll give more <laughs> to that offering box back there. I'm you know, that's just the reality. Go to the word yourself, read the thing, and find that there's a truth in it. So once I came to, to the conclusion that, okay, I'm not, I wasn't going to question, do I need the Bible? I wasn't questioning myself, but I'm just asking this question. What is the Bible? Just you have to start at the basic, the bare minimum. A lot of times from my mind, I start at one plus one equals two, not times one equals two, Tony Ann. If you want to hear what that is, you're going to have to go to one of my old podcasts. 
you, I have to do that mentally sometimes, just come back to it. Okay, this is what I believe. It's like that, the creed, believe in the Father, believe in the Son. And you go through the thing. I mean, okay, I've established this is the reality. These are my beliefs. And I came back to it. And so from that place, the Bible, once you come to terms with, okay, this thing is that important in me, then it unfolds to be an incredible resource, I don't recommend Christianity without it whatsoever, unless you are literally like they are in China, and they love it. They eat it up so much, because all they've got is a page, as we were just saying, I remembered. They'll memorize the thing, because that's all they've got. They literally just devour their lives. When they choose to live for Christ in communist China, it's life or death. There is a church that they allow, but they edit your Bible. Now, that church is allowed by the government. The real deal, like the Bible we're reading from right now, the whole Bible, this Christianity is done underground, and it's illegal, and it is with, when the guys like me would be caught, it's death penalty. So if there's a page of the Bible, they have decided this is worth my life. And they will eat it up. They recognize the seriousness to it. They recognize the importance to it. And it's much like today, we may not have uh, all of it sometimes. A time may come and books are burned and electronics are gone. I mean, who knows? I'm not saying that what's going to happen. But there may be a time that we are only reading a page. But having the resource available, having it to us is like having Novocaine. You'd be, we don't question that, but we can easily let our Bible get dusty for a couple weeks. What we don't realize is, is that spiritually our teeth are aching just as much. We just don't realize that Bible is the Novocaine. We don't realize that that's what we need to soothe the pain that we're going through. And so, just for a few minutes to intro this month, I want you to open to Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to anchor from this for these next sermons. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. And Mariah, can you pull it up in the Amplified, please? And it says, For the word of God, the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. It's when God speaks, it's active, it's operative, it's energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit and of joints, it gets down so deep in our nature between the joints and marrow, God's word will penetrate in exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. So you see the word of God, even though I had to come to just, just, I wasn't questioning it, but just playing the advocate in my mind came to the place that I wouldn't live without it anyway. But once you realize what a resource this thing is, the Bible, without all the libraries, without all the forums of, hey, this is what I think about this verse. And you say, wow, that's amazing. That's great. Throw all that away. Throw away all that. 
And just the Bible alone, just this book that has been put together for this time, it took some time to get together. Why question that? Instead, be thankful that modern medicine, so to speak, caught up with our pains. The Bible caught up with our need for this right here. And the reality is, is we should be so incredibly thankful that we have from Genesis to Revelation, that we don't just have the Torah. Although I still believe if you had none of the New Testament, there's enough life. I don't, re- I don't, I'm not one of those that draws that line between old and new. If God spoke it, if he said it, it's his word. And the Bible says of himself, of his own word, the writer of Hebrews were unsure, possibly Paul. But when he wrote this, you have to understand that when the writer of Hebrews wrote this verse, it wasn't a verse either. This was just a letter. We made them into verses so they'd be easy to understand, right? So thank God, though, that I can go, oh, yeah, Hebrews 4.12. Otherwise, it'd be like it's somewhere in that book he wrote to the group of people, you know, and somewhere in that letter. Actually, Paul does that. One of his writings, he's like, remember sometime when God said such and such? You're like, Paul, you don't know the reference? Because there was no such thing as the reference. So thank you, Lord, that he's even made it easy for me to go in my iPad, scroll, Hebrews 4. 12, bam, there we go. I don't even have to turn it. So am I going to be thankful for that or am I going to just get weird about, you know, okay, well, you know, we don't need that. Well, thank you, Lord. You're making it easier and easier and easier and easier for me to get it inside me. The Lord's like making it as easy as possible. I don't think you need it that easy, but there's no excuse today that the word is available for us more than ever. And the Bible, when he wrote this, the writer here, There was no such thing as this book. There was no such thing as Ephesians, Philippians, Revelations, Timothy, Peter. These books were just letters floating around because that was the, this is, he's writing this at the same time of these other letters being written that we have canonized as the New Testament. And in fact, he may have read one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, because they had been written almost immediately, most likely. So he may have read one of the, the, the stories of Christ, possibly. There's no proof. So what was he talking about when he said the Word of God is alive? What Word is he talking about? And so I just wanted to make that point. That's not my point for today's sermon. But I want to make the point, don't draw the line between Old Testament and New Testament. Because when he wrote this, there was no such thing that we should be grateful that we have what we have. Because uh, 99.9% sure that when he wrote this, he was talking about what we would call today as the Old Testament. As the prophets and the law and Genesis, right? The story of creation, talking about uh, how the Israelites came in and out of slavery and how the Lord freed them and how he took care of them and how he spoke to them through the prophets. Well, I think when he was writing this, not I think, I know because the New Testament didn't exist, that this is what he was referring to. And so I just wanted to make that point as well, that not only is the word of God alive and full of power, But this entire book, Bound in Leather, I encourage you, don't, you know what, if you get stuck in Leviticus, just skip it. 
I'm not concerned about you reading every single word of the entire book yet, okay? But get as much from cover to cover in you as possible. And when you've read everything else, don't get stuck and then just shelf the book. Just put it down for, put that book down for now and then move on. And then go back to it as the Lord, and that's what will happen. You'll want to go look up, why did God say that before? And what did Jesus, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? And they had the law and now Jesus freed us. And you'll look those things up, but that time will come. Just get as much of leather to leather as you can in you, because the Bible says that it is alive and full of power. Amen? I want to move uh, into this teaching a little bit more. It is really, really hot in here. Is it just me? Because I'm preaching the AC again is not working. Thank you, Lord, for the sweat. But you know what? You know, that's really funny that we're sweating because um, I just was telling Jeannie yesterday that the other thing is, not only is the word so available to us, and not only is there so much in it, but the other thing about the time we live in is, oh, Lord, I can't focus right now. I just, I need, I need, to, uh, I need to go have a coffee and then um, I, need to, I need to turn on the AC so I can just cool down a little bit. And I'm just going to find a nice, cool, comfortable place on the couch. And I'm going to sit down with your word and I'm going to spend some time with you. I mean, the time we live in, it's so easy to find God. It's so easy. He has put himself, I mean, he will make you comfortable. He'll wake you up. He'll put you right there in a place in your own home. I mean, when the first church was carrying around the letters, they were literally looking over their shoulder for persecution. They, if it was hot, they were sweating as we are today. If it was cold, they had a fire burning and they huddled together around the fire. The reality is, is that we today as his modern church are not meant to rely on those things and all these comforts so that then it, make, it could make it so, it's so easy that what we do is we just think light of it. When there's a, actually a more serious weight that comes with the time we live in. He's gonna say to you, Dawn, you had the Bible, you had a 90-day Bible, a one-year Bible, New Living, New King James, Amplified, Amplified Classic, etc. Esword, which I love. And yet this early church, Jeannie, had one page, but she devoured the thing. Is, he, is it possible that he will look at the modern church as he did the talents about what he's given us? And the reality is, is with all of our creature comforts and with all of the ease, the temptation is so easy to think, well, I have time. Um, I, I, I can get to it when I'll get to it. And the reality is, is that every single moment that's passing by, you are wasting all of this that he's given you. It's took, it's taken when Jesus showed up on the earth, 
when he finally showed up, it wasn't finally in his eyes, he had a timeline, but in the people's eyes, he was finally here. And they were so incredibly grateful because they had been waiting for this time to come that Jesus would be here. And they, um, the writer in Hebrews says, man, there was, they wished, they would wish that they have what you have now. Imagine what the first apostles would say to us. Imagine what they would say to us. What are you doing with all that God has given you? He's made it so easy for you. That's all I want to say. For, I just want to leave that at that for today. And that'll get you, we'll get us started, get us sparked for this month. And let's, so let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it is alive. It is powerful. I thank you, Lord, that you have sparked it inside of us. That was the beginning, Lord. You sparked something, even without the word, just our curiosity and who is this Jesus. Something supernatural happened in us. But I thank you, Lord, that from that spark, you have given us unlimited resources to fan that spark into flames, to burn brighter and to shine more. That when we speak, we speak like God because we have his word. And that when they hear us, they hear God because we're speaking from God's voice. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've given us. I pray that a desire would burn in us, that that spark, Lord, help us. You fan it into flames for us, Lord. Lord, we are willing. Lord, we're asking you to get that thing stirring in us, that we would seek you like never before, that we would look to you like never before, that we would use the abilities and the comforts that we have in this time and era and nation, Lord, to do something for you, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that we would not do it for us, but we would do something for you with what we have. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.